What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Starting with our Patreon questions, Mateusz Grabowski, Jack Mountford, Diabologist, and Nay214 all ask if Tales of the Jedi will retcon the Ahsoka novel or Dooku Jedi Lost. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, the trailer that was released at D23. Also, apparently there were leaks about this. from Not apparently. There were leaks about Tales of the Jedi months ago, I think. Uh, I remember uh, working very hard to avoid them, and I successfully did. I don't know what the leaks are, but I remember back then people talking about, oh, there goes Filoni retconning things again or changing stuff from books and comics or what have you. Um, So I I guess I'm thinking that there will be some changes. Uh, It's always possible that the, the leaks, whatever they were, I mean, they're leaks, they're rumors, they're not confirmed, but... Let's just say that something about the Ahsoka novel changes and something about Dooku Jedi Lost changes. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm used to it at this point. It doesn't really bug me. (laughs) I mean, I don't know anything about the leaks either. But if these characters are characters that Filoni created, if he wants to change something, he's that's in his right to do it. I do remember seeing E.K. Johnston a month or so ago tweeting about the possibility of Ahsoka novel retcons. And she had a lot of good things to say. She's just like, you know, it, it was my story. If he wants to change things here or there, that's it. That's totally fine. That's his right to do that. But I don't think there's going to be any big retcons. What I am expecting is basically something along the lines of the Bad Batch and the Kanan comic, where... Yeah, some details are different in the telling of what happened. But if you take a step back and look at like galactic history, broad strokes are still the same. I think that's probably what will happen again. Uh, so just based off of even people talking about the trailer and everyone was like, oh, so is that the sixth brother, the Inquisitor that Ahsoka is facing, who she faces in the Ahsoka novel? Are they going to change some details about their confrontation? Maybe. Uh, I think it would be cool to see that happen on screen, to see her potentially purify the red lightsaber crystals on screen to make her white lightsabers. Uh, This is all stuff that... I think when E.K. Johnson wrote the novel, it was like, there's no chance of us doing more of the Clone Wars. There's no chance of us telling this story. Uh... It's kind of the same as when the Cassian and K2 comic came out. They were like, let's tell a story about how they met. Because we're never going to explore these characters again. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out years later, they're like, oh, Disney Plus is a thing. And this could be a good show. And we're probably going to get a new version of their meeting. Like, I, I think that there needs to be a little flexibility on that. But... Really, what it comes down to in the way I view it all is that this is a mythology. Star Wars is a mythology. And if you look at classic mythology, like people will tell the same story in different ways. It depends on the storyteller. So E.K. Johnston told one version. Dave Filoni's going to tell another or whoever wrote that episode. And then I think it's up to us, the viewer, the audience, to decide what is canon for us. Like find your own truth in there. Be like... You know, I really liked that from the Ahsoka novel, but I also like this from Tales of the Jedi. And then it's like, this is supposed to be just stories passed down to us from a long, long time ago. And I know 
I, I'm someone that likes it all to fit together perfectly, but that's not going to always be the case. And so this is just my mindset when the details don't line up. It's like, all right, well, I'll just do my best to make it work. Well said. Oh. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I have to add is like, we've talked about this before where I think the books and the comics, the details are a lot more fluid when you start getting into animated series and then live action, they're going to make the details a lot more clear in like animated and live action shows. And yeah, we get new information. We get new stories being told. It's going to change a little bit over time. That's just how storytelling works. Yeah. And I think that despite their best efforts and the initial announcement, kind of the when they were like, we're, we're rebooting the Star Wars canon or whatever. And they're like, we're doing books and comics and like, we're, we're going to oversee it all and it's all going to fit together. Like that was a really nice statement to make. And it just, it seems unavoidable at this point, but there are tiers to canon. There used to be in Legends as well. And we were like, no more tiers, yay. And now it's like, nah, there still are to a degree. Like, most people are going to watch the films and it's like, that's kind of the most, I don't know, pure thing. The the truest we're going to get to an actual history. And then it's like live action shows and then animation. And like the farther down that funnel you get, yeah, the more likely that at some point it might change. I still think those things, I still hope those things will be few and far between, but it's going to happen. It's to quote Battlestar Galactica, all of this has happened before, and it will happen again. Trevin Pettigrew wants to know what we want to see in Season 2 of Tales of the Jedi. We talked about this at Dragon Con on our speculation panel. Uh, I think we talked about it on our live stream recently. And then in the trailer breakdown, I talked about uh, what I wanted to see. So I've had some time to think about this, but I think my my one choice, if we could get one Jedi to focus on for three episodes that we don't know much about at all, it would be Tar Vizsla. Because that's a story that's been kind of like trickling out over the years, I guess since the Darksaber was revealed, but then in Star Wars Rebels, we got Tar Vizsla's name, the first Mandalorian Jedi. He's brought up again in The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. So I think that would be a great one to kind of kill two birds with one stone. It's like you're telling us a lot about a Jedi we don't know about, who's also a Mandalorian and ties into the story of the Mandalorian and the Darksaber and everything going on. So I think there would be some good corporate synergy there, but it would also be very intriguing to Star Wars fans. Yeah, I would love to see a short episode just on the Darksaber itself. Like, that that would answer so many people's questions. And I, I bet... Filoni would have a lot of fun with something like that because the Darksaber shows up in so many other shows. Um, I would love to see some sequel trilogy stuff between Rey and Finn. Just what are they doing after episode nine? How is, how is Rey moving forward for the Jedi Order? Is she training Finn? How does Finn feel about it? Like anything post-episode nine between those two, especially after we got the Lego summer vacation movie and, you know, the ghost of the, the force ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi is calling Finn a Jedi. So that is pretty cut and dry in my opinion. Yeah. I loved that in the Lego summer vacation that 
it's one of my favorite lines of Obi-Wan showing up and saying, I sensed a Jedi in need. And Finn's like, oh, Ray's back over there. And he's like, no, you, Finn. Like, other Jedi see Finn as a Jedi. And the Rise of Skywalker didn't fully go into that. It just, like, barely touched upon it. Um, but it made it a thing. So, like, follow through on it. And I think it's good to get out of the prequel era. It's easy to stay in the prequel era because that's where most of the Jedi are. So I would be down to really explore Yaddle or Apo Rancisis or Yarel Poof. Like, there are plenty of behind-the-scenes Jedi that I would not mind at all getting their stories or their tales. Um, the original trilogy, there's not nearly as much. I guess you could tell, like, a Cal Kestis story. We could go into the High Republic or something, but... Yeah, I guess in season two, I would like to just see more variety in the eras. But also to season one's credit, the Dooku stuff is uh, pretty intriguing. This might be like our first pre-episode one on-screen content. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm excited for that. And then Ahsoka is just like, we have so many Ahsoka stories. Like I want to get into just lesser known characters. That's really my biggest hope. More variety in eras, uh, more variety in characters, and maybe more episodes, maybe more than just six, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how the first season goes. I was listening to Force Center podcast earlier today, and I think it was Ken Napsok that mentioned it would be cool if this was an ongoing series, but other seasons were Tales of the Rebellion. Hmm. Tales of insert word here you know tales of the empire would be cool tales of the sith yeah sure i i hadn't thought of that that they could twist it uh not just more tales of the jedi but tales of the blank mm -hmm. yeah that's cool too damien vonderhaar asks what our favorite thing from d23 was well i i would want to say probably indiana jones 5 stuff uh but we didn't get to see anything. Yeah, we, I've weren't, read, we weren't there, so we didn't get to see the footage that was shown. I've read descriptions of the footage, and I'm like, okay, sounds good. Show it to me. I'm, I'm just thirsty for any Indiana Jones news. The Star Wars stuff uh, felt pretty ex expected. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing surprised me in Star Wars. It was just cool to get a bunch of trailers and stuff. Yeah, I think the Mando Season 3 stuff was... The most excited I've been for the Star Wars stuff at D23 since, you know, everything we got before was what we remembered from Celebration, if you were in the room for that, and then pirated cell phone crappy footage from YouTube. So now we have a high resolution, like good looking trailer, lots and lots of stuff happening in season three. It looks like a, a, a much larger scale story being told. So it's cool to see all the different Mandalorians and the quacky and monkey lizards. All that stuff was really fun. Aside from Star Wars, though, The Little Mermaid looks amazing. Yeah. That's, so excited. I I don't think we've seen a single live action remake. Um, Not the Disney ones. Right. Uh, yeah. A single live action Disney remake. Uh, they just have not interested me because they seem like shot for shot recreations but something about the little mermaid i was like i'm into that one uh probably because it's they're, like they're doing something different with it something different and unique instead of just like it's the lion king but they look real yeah <laughs> like i i just never love you john favreau but i i don't get the appeal for me personally yeah. uh 
I haven't tried it though, so I, I shouldn't knock it until I try it. But <laughs> I've I've heard good things about the Aladdin live action remake, but yeah, I, they just haven't really interested me because I was so in love with all the original Disney versions that like I don't need to see a remake of of a lot of those. But Little Mermaid was one of my favorites growing up. I think the the actress that they have playing her looks amazing sounds amazing her voice oh, is incredible yeah. listening to her sing it was like damn it's gonna be good the, you were telling me about the other cast members and i was like perking up too. uh david mm-hmm. diggs i think you said is in it love him he's a star wars alum too yeah uh, he was in star wars resistance ha- uh what's his name javier bardem javier no bardem. country for old men that yes. guy he is playing her father really he is king triton huh yeah, see, I don't know anything about, other than it was happening, I don't know anything else about. <laughs> I have my own thoughts on Melissa McCartney as as uh, Ursula. We'll see how, how that plays out. Should have been Lizzo. <laughs> uh, well, I'll shift gears one more time and say that the Willow trailer really surprised me. Uh, it, it surprised me at Star Wars Celebration. Like, I liked Willow growing up, and I was like, oh, a series, I'll watch that. I don't know. They're, like, really nailing it for me it just feels uh like watching willow but maybe even a little bit better like the the tone just feels good in just the trailer who knows what the series will be like but it's got comedy and whimsy but also just this magical scope that's really drawing me in so i'm i'm super pumped for the willow series yeah it doesn't seem as like silly and goofy as the original one it's it's they're, they're taking it a little bit more seriously I, i'm sure there will be some good jokes i mean the brownies are back and there are a couple shots of like willow falling over laughing but they just seem so charming like nothing about it seems over the top goofy a lot more magic too yeah which i i really like yeah and i i look i love how badass they made warwick davis look mm-hmm. he's He's a badass. He Love deserves it. it. Yeah. Love that for him. Sarah Black wants to know if we'll see other familiar High Republic Jedi in the Young Jedi Adventures. We don't know exactly when it's going to take place, if it is at the same time as all the books and comics, or it could be a little before that. Like, the High Republic era spans at least 200 years, so it, it could take place anywhere in there. Um, I think I saw that Kevin Scott had something to do with uh, the Young Jedi Adventures. That's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he did, then I could see some of our, our fan favorite book characters popping up. I I assume we'll see at least one or two, especially the species that are going to be around for a long time, the, the older ones. Um, yeah, we, we know Yoda, but... Yeah. Um, they they pointed out like Cantum Sai, Torben Buck. They they both worked with uh, younglings and Padawans quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, if Geode isn't in it, I'll be a little sad. I don't know how he could show up, but I, I want I, that to. Happen. I think that would be an interesting challenge to pull off because part of what makes Geode work in the books is being able to describe his emotional state. And then you just question, like, what does that look like? Or or what he's doing. Like, he's flirting with someone, and you're like, how? <laughs> but everyone in the universe treats it as if, like, yeah, he's flirting with me. Yeah. So 
you could always just be doing things just off screen and then when someone points it out the character the main character looks over and then he's just a rock yeah i do think it's possible they pulled it off in the comics well so i'm sure that it it could be an effective running joke uh and i would like that to see them at least attempt it because yeah geode is a fan favorite character of the high republic the we knew we know that the little blue fuzzy character's name is nubs which is adorable uh and he looks before like... i knew that i named him henry fuzzlebottom uh <laughs> which i got attached to that name but nubs nubs is good too nubs is good too they, they look adorable and i have high hopes Vax Steele and Jordan Catley both ask what Vader did with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka's lightsabers. We don't know. I assume he kept them as trophies somewhere. Uh, in Legends, he definitely kept Obi-Wan's lightsaber in his castle. Yeah, we saw it a little bit in the show where, like, in the in Fortress Inquisitorius, they have, like, little mementos, like little lightsabers and the, the, the Jedi youngling helmets but they had them in these like glass cases, almost like a, a jewelry show thing. Uh, so I, I imagine they're on display there somewhere to hopefully invoke uh, inspiration in the other Inquisitors. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that Vader kept Ahsoka's for sure, the one he found at the end of the Clone Wars. Um, Obi-Wan's, I assume he put up, he picked up and put in his pocket or something and then had it on the tie advanced when uh it got knocked away i assume it didn't blow up on the death star even if it did it's one of those things where it's like kylo ren dropped his helmet on star killer base and then he had it again mm-hmm. in the last jedi so yeah, how did so that happen it's someone like, picked it up he, he's got a bunch of you know people to help him out the magical prop fairy is what I like to think yeah. of. Is just there, there's a, a magical being that is like you're gonna need this later, and they'll pick it up and put it somewhere safe for them. Or it's Tag and Bink. <laughs> yeah, Tag and Bink did it. That's <laughs> that can be. They're the magical prop fairies. <laughs> Before moving on with questions, we wanted to talk about the Potathon 2022, which is actually happening right now when this video comes out. Actually, right when this video comes out, I think is also our segment. It's our our time slot. Right. Uh, So once you're done with this, or if you want to finish this later, you can go watch us do a trivia competition with some of our friends, uh, Zach Burkett. Not just any trivia competition. Oh, yeah. This is going to be the hardest in the world. Is it? Well, that's up to our viewers. Yeah. Because we have different tiers of questions, and it's going to start out really easy. It's going to be very boring unless people donate to Make-A-Wish. The whole potathon is done for charity to support the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The more people donate, the harder the questions are going to get. So we we have some ridiculous questions for our friends. Uh, we, we've got Jared from Nerd Academy Podcast, uh, Zach Burkett, Marie Wilson, and Gold Leader from the Schmodown. We're not competing for once. Mm-mm. We're going to take a step back and host, and we're going to torture our friends with your help. So uh, go check out the Potathon. If you're watching this after our segment, there are still a ton of guests that are going to be on throughout the day. People like Star Wars authors, Lucasfilm employees, uh, Seth Green from Robot Chicken, and a director called Ryan Johnson is going to be... I don't 
Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> Ryan Johnson will be interviewed by Alden Diaz of Octo Radio. I think that is near the end of the day. Uh, but there's going to be a whole lot of shows going on throughout uh, the Podathon 2022, which is happening right now. The link is in the description. So go check it out and support Make a Wish. There's also going to be a bunch of uh, stuff that is raffled off. So anyone who makes a donation, uh, $5. $5 or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, will get their name entered into the raffles. And I think it's every donation of $5 or more will get you entered into the raffle again. So, yeah, there's there's a lot going on, uh, a lot of cool prizes you can win, and a lot of good we can do for Make-A-Wish right now. On to YouTube questions, MC Lego Boy wants to know what one non-Force-sensitive character we would want on our side in a bar fight. So, yeah, let's say we're in the Moss Eisley Cantina and uh, Ponda Baba pushes us over, and we we get up and we punch back. We're in a bar fight now. Who do you want on your side? I've I got mean, my answer. You gotta go with Chewie, right? Huh. I was gonna go with Black Chrysanthem. Well, those those seem pretty pretty equal. We're we're pretty much on the same page here. Yeah. I think Black Chrysanthem would fight dirtier. Sure. Well <laughs> Well, we don't know. But he's probably not as loyal as Chewie. Mm-hmm. Black Chrysanthemum's just got, you know, more armor. We've seen him in a bar fight. There's a there's a chance that the assailant uh, would be able to talk Black Chrysanthemum into being on their side. That's true. And then they, they could, would both beat you up. That That is a fair point because uh, Chrysanthemum's loyalty is bought with money until the Book of Boba Fett. I will say for the sake of argument, this is pre-Book of Boba Fett, that Chrysanthemum is more of a mercenary. I do think Chewbacca has loyalty going for him mm-hmm. i also think that they fought like twice in the comics now and i think chewbacca has won both times yeah i think my only other answer that i thought of was cad bane mm. well i want cop vamp he's he seems like a good one to have in a bar fight i think they both could just shoot anyone mm-hmm. but again like cad bane i think would be more willing to shoot people and cop vanth might He's got a little more uh, of a lawful good mm-hmm. nature where uh, he, he might not be willing to go as far as I need him to do to save me. True. I'm considering myself to be useless in this bar fight. <laughs> Same. Michael Caddick asks if we'd want a movie about Kira set in between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Nah. Nah. I love Kira's character, but like... I don't. I can't tell you how many questions. What if we got Kira in this? What about Kira this? What about Kira this? Like, I, I don't. I don't need to see it. I don't need to see a movie about Kira. I, I would love Solo too, just to continue that story and see what that looks like. Her on Dathomir with Maul and everything. But like we, we see that kind of in the comics. That's really what I was gonna say. Is the comics have covered that story. Like, that's what we're getting right now. So I don't think we need a movie about Kira at that point in time. Like, just let the comics do that. I would much rather get live-action Kira as some sort of follow-up to Solo. Whether it's a Crimson Dawn series or in Lando or they do a Solo series or a Kira series. Like, I would much rather Amelia Clark come back for that. I don't really need to keep exploring the original trilogy era over and over and over, especially in a movie. Like, we're not going to get a movie until at least 2024. 
maybe 20, 25. So I'm like, do do something completely different mm-hmm. than more original trilogy stuff. Henbra wants to know if we have any expectations for Skeleton Crew. Not really. I mean, there's there's so little to know. All we know is that Jude Law is in it. <laughs> and it's about it. kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I am hopeful that it pulls off that same kind of magic that Stranger Things did. I don't think it's going to be a carbon copy of Stranger Things, but just that feeling of little kids on an adventure, uh, like E.T. or The Goonies. Those are fun stories. So I'm just hopeful for a fun, lighthearted story. And I assume it will connect with the the Mandoverse, I guess, for lack of a better name. Remind me of the time frame for this. Same time as the Mandalorian. Okay. They've said it's part of that storytelling side of the universe. I mean, we talked a little bit about the possibility of Jason Sindula showing up. Yeah. That would be cool. I don't expect it. No, I don't either. <laughs> it would I, be cool. I really don't have any expectations. But, you know, this. Hera is going to be in the Ahsoka series. And, like, what what is going to draw her away from her son at that point in time? And he would be probably an appropriate age to, to go on an adventure. So maybe Hera is joining up with Ahsoka because her son ran off. And she's like, let's look for Ezra and Jason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anthea the Tiefling asks if the dark side can be used for good reasons. I mean, I think technically, but that's kind of the philosophical debate within Star Wars is that once you start down the dark path forever, will it dominate your destiny? That, yeah, I think that you can rationalize uh, using the dark side to achieve something good but then you have to ask, do the ends justify the means? Yeah. I mean, quicker, easier, more seductive. I don't I don't think so. This is a complicated question. Yeah. Because you're using the dark side. How can it be for good reasons if you're <laughs> tapping into the dark side? Because chances are you're tapping into the dark side for something violent or invasive. Let's let's say uh someone is going to kill someone else unless you stop them uh, is force choking them a good enough is th- is that a good enough reason to use the dark side of the force I don't to think use the force to attack someone I don't think so I don't think so either using the force f- for defense never for attack like that's kind of what Yoda taught and it's like you you would be using the force to defend someone who needed help uh but is using a dark side power justifiable in that i actually think that uh we might explore this in tales of the jedi because there is a scene of dooku Mm -hmm. choking someone and it does look like he is defending a town but qui-gon's like stop you you're going too far and I, i think that we might see in that moment uh that he is being the aggressor more like that could have been that could be a situation that could be handled diplomatically and he's like nah I'd rather fight um I don't like that that's definitely a question that Star Wars has brought up Elzar Mann in the High Republic is a great example of someone who like uh touches the dark in the rising storm 
and they use that. They do use that for what I would argue is good. Um, and that's the thing is just using the the dark side is not a good idea, but everyone does it. It's just learning to not rely on it. And the more you rely on it, the easier it gets. And so, yeah, if you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll use the dark side for this one little thing. Uh, <laughs> Slippery slope. And, yeah. And then you'll use it for this other thing. And you'll use it for less and less noble reasons. I think that's more just as long as you're conscious of what you're doing. Yeah. I think the way to spin this for good reasons is to look at the big picture. If someone taps into the dark side, eventually, hopefully the good reason would will be to learn to not do that <laughs> <laughs> to learn that like this is a path i could go down but i'm choosing not to mm -hmm. so overall a good reason yeah for but learning experiences I, I think it's a good question and i think it is a question that star wars brings up is like when is it right to fight and when it is when is it wrong and like elzar man using the dark side of the force to find out where the nile are so that they can go stop the Nile. I'm like, yeah, good reason. But but then he does not feel good about that. And he goes and like uh, serves with Orla for a while. And he tries to um, find some peace within himself. Mm -hmm. Like, y you can do it, but it's going to hurt you in some ways, I guess is the lesson. Yeah, I mean, Luke taps into it in Return of the Jedi trying getting into Jabba's palace with the guards and then, you know, fighting Vader. And you see how how confident he starts out going into Jabba's palace. And then by the end of the movie, when he taps into it, he's like, oh man, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And it's all those things I would say are arguably good reasons. And even at the end, like killing the emperor would be a good reason, but the ultimate end result of the dark side is being like vader like anger just turns you into a shell of a person that's all the time we have for questions today if you want to leave a question for next week's video just put it in the comments below or sign up for patreon to join our weekly q a discussion if you haven't already please like this video subscribe to the channel follow us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok and as always thanks for watching and may the force be with you